Welcome to Steam Powered Scoundrels, a Malifaux podcast, episode 24, Bonanza Brawl. Join us on Discord and support us on Patreon if you like what we do. We'd really enjoy your company. And welcome back to Steam Powered Scoundrels. I'm your host, returning uh, for this recording, Doug. And as with me, as almost always, is Roman. Hello! And Nate Nathaniel. Hello! Just trying to sound exactly like these say each other, aren't you? We don't have to work out it that hard. That's the scary part. It is very, yes. very terrifying. Well, due to uh, some scheduling issues, mostly me having some very ornery children and having to try and fix my shower, I haven't had a whole ton of time to work on podcasts this week, so this one's going to be a little bit more off the cuff. But it's about something we've been practicing on for quite a bit, and I think it is at a point where we can sort of let other people uh, have a candor at it and uh, test it out for us, and more specifically, have as much fun as they possibly can. Um, I recall saying, um, maybe like a year ago or something, I had run a modified version of an Enforcer Brawl last year at our local convention. It was a whole ton of fun. And it was something that I decided, like, hey, I could probably fiddle with this to make it a little less janky, because what initially was... So I guess if we could, I could probably start from the beginning, about how the, the entire idea came to, came to be. So I had run a Shifting Loyalties campaign, or at least I was attempting to. This is at the tail end of 2nd edition, where people were kind of looking for reasons to, to play, and amidst the whole beta going on being and all that jazz, I decided I'd try and do something a little, you know, fun, a little less serious, something that uh, you could kind of take your mind off of what was going on with 2nd edition. So I ran uh, the campaign, and ever since I saw the campaign, I've been wanting to run it, but no one's ever really wanted to in my local meta, and I managed to convince enough people to get a campaign going. We had a blast. Didn't get it finished because uh, 3rd edition pretty much had become open, and that's all people were really concerned with, so that ended up drying it, dropping, and I was very curious exactly what I was going to do with all these cards. This weird had put out a deck that was meant to go along with the campaign. And if you don't know what the campaign is, basically it's a, it's a grow campaign where you come up with a crew of, uh, I want to say, t- starting 35 soul stones, and then you c- recruit more, and there's permadeath, and one of the mechanics that the deck was for is you could get upgrades and then attach them to models. And these were upgrades outside of the normal upgrades you were seeing. They were very, you know, generic and both interesting things, like you could pick up a Gatling gun, for starters, or a relic hammer, or some dynamites, or some coffee, crazy stuff like that. And I thought, you know, this game isn't, I mean, the campaign wasn't too terribly balanced. You could get to a point where you were doing so well that no one was going to be able to beat you. So I thought, well, if I'm going to use this somewhere, it's probably going to be in a place where balance isn't the biggest concern. And with 2nd edition, and I guess 3rd edition, that ended up being the Enforcer Brawl or the All Out Brawl in this case. It's it's more of a party game, more of a fun game where you get around, you, get, you crack jokes, and you yell at people that are beating you, and then you gloat when you win. That sort of thing. So I decided to integrate it into the Enforcer Brawl. And what it ended up being is like, okay, we'll consider these things to be like pieces of treasure or whatnot. And so everyone in every model and narrative is that everyone in this Enforcer Brawl has come across these massive piles of loot and they're just digging through it and pulling out random cool stuff and then beating each other with it. Fun times. So 
game was designed around having 50 millimeter markers out on the board, and then you could take an interact to pick something from it, and then you'd use the deck of stuff from the Shifting Loyalties campaign to just pull out a card, and that was a thing you pulled out of the pile, and then you could just run with it and, you know, have fun. And a random version of that at the convention, and it was a blast. I think everyone had a whole ton of fun. I seem I mean, like, no one seemed to really hated at the very least. We had some memorable moments, then I still am mad at Nate for blowing up my emissary with Gracie, who was wielding a Gatling gun somehow. A true classic. Oh, Gracie with a Gatling gun. May it never die. Except when we kill it. <laughs> um, turns out Gracie isn't as powerful this time around. Or she just didn't do too terribly well in our places. Well, anyways, the one like big glaring issue is one, the backs of the cards weren't... You could kind of tell what the card was by the back because they weren't the uh-huh. same. And because we were currently running third edition, uh, it was based off of second edition rules, so there was a lot of interpreting that needed to happen. And so that ended up having to be a bit of an issue. Every once in a while someone would draw a card and then we had to be like, oh no, you have to use it this way because um, you no longer take two attacks and charges don't cost two AP. That's that sort of stuff. And Earth paralyzed is an effect. Yeah. And then the other thing was is that Certain cards would be redundant or useless, which, like, I realize that it's not supposed to be balanced and that you could have the disappointment of a card that doesn't do anything. But I wanted to, like, you could get something out of every card, which was my goal. So after um, MuseCon of 2019, I decided that I would create my own uh, deck of cards and rule set specific to 3rd edition and uh, just... Go with it and see where it took me. And it took a while for us to start playtesting, and mostly because I've got like 31 different things I want to do with Malifaux, and I can't seem to focus on any one for too long. But we finally got around to playtesting it this spring, more or less. And the decisions we came up with at that point was we were going to have a car, a deck of 54 cards. And that was mostly because it was a lot easier to playtest if you could use a standard fate deck to sort of actually do the card flipping for you. And then you'd reference a table for your benefit. And also, the other thing was that we decided that we were going to have two options on each card. Therefore, if your model already had the benefit of one side, they probably didn't have the benefit of the other side. So they could gain something from it at the very least. So after designing the cards for a very long time, we finally started playtesting. Yay! So we've been playing uh, off and on for a couple months, um, had a few edits, but we're at a point, I think, where we are willing to let other people give it a shot and see how they fare. So we just want to go with like Roman and the Nate sort of talk about why you like it. I'm assuming you like it. You keep playing it with me. Yeah, no, it's a ton of fun. Super yeah. You've put a lot of really hard work into all these cards, and they're they're all brilliant. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. And honestly, yeah, like, the idea to put it on a regular, like, deck of cards, like, it's, it's kind of a double benefit, because then, like, even if, like, you don't have a specific, like, you know, the, like, campaign cards previously, or, like, where cards to be produced for this, you don't have to have them. You can just have this table and reference a deck. And that just, it makes it more accessible, which I think is really good. Just making it that easy, consistent. It's that third third edition kind of mantra of keeping things consistent. And I think it works really well. Yeah, I definitely agree there. And I, I think really, uh, especially based on the, the tests that we just 
did just last night, uh, which ran really well. One of the, the players we had was my partner, Megan, and she's played all of, like, two Enforcer Brawls and M2E, and it's been that long since she's done anything with this game other than listen to me ramble on and occasionally nod and go, that's cool. But she played last night, and with a little, like, guidance on, hey, it works this way, don't worry about, like, the mechanics of actual your character too much, but, like, this is a good idea, go try it out. And she she had a blast. Right, cool. So, if you're wondering how exactly we managed this through the COVIDs, if it wasn't that apparent yet, we did it over Vassal. Now, initially, we were actually using a very old Vassal mod for Through the Breach, which I don't think has been touched since 2016. And it shows a little bit, but the nice thing is that it, it held eight players, so we could actually playtest this. And then very recently, um, one of the people working on the Vassal modules was very kind and noticed what I was trying to do and actually set up a Vassal module for multiplayer up to eight players. So we actually got to playtest that last night. He said that I could go ahead and mention this, and it should be coming out relatively soon so that anyone can play uh, Bonanza Brawl. Have we? Have I mentioned the name yet? No, <laughs> no. no. Okay, yeah. Called Bonanza Brawl. It's called Bonanza Brawl. Uh, because... So what's the definition of Bonanza here? Besides an old TV show. No, give me something besides the TV show. Okay, Bonanza. Bonanza. God, failing me, Google. A situation or event that creates a sudden increase in wealth, good fortune, or profits. So, a fitting description. Also, it is an old cowboy TV show, so I figured, you know, it does, the, it does a good job of projecting what exactly is going on. So, we managed to play on the multiplayer module. Things seem to be working out cool. Found a few kinks. Seems like those kinks are fixed, so I would expect this to be out relatively soon, like maybe end of July. I I don't know. I do not know. That is a completely random guess. If it doesn't happen, don't get mad at me. Don't get get mad at the ma- guy making this. He's tr- working very hard, and he's being very helpful. Thank you, Mr. Good. Alright, so let's go into the nitty-gritty of the rules, because the rules are, are a bit weird. If you remember, I think it's a little bit closer I, okay, it's not a little bit closer. It's a lot closer to second edition Enforcer Brawl than it is to All Out Brawl from third edition. And that was primarily due to the Enforcer Brawl I played at um, Indie Storm, and some of the exploits people almost immediately found there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just getting a point for damaging someone is, like, very exploitable with certain models. I think, case in point, being well, the War Pig. Yeah, it's the fact that it doesn't. It doesn't specify enemy model. It just whenever you do whenever you damage damage a model, oh, damage himself. Cool. That's the point. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and then the whatever. What's the what's the war pig's ability that says if I just stampede? Tr- yeah, stampede. Yeah. So if you can stampede into multiple models, and you're just getting a ton of points every turn. Mm-hmm. Um, Special call out to TJ, one of my locals. Thank you for pointing this out for us. Yeah, it was informative and painful <laughs> and painful, <laughs> but. So I decided that, like, hey, I kind of built this around second edition rules, so let's just go back to second edition rules and see how those work out. I think they've done a good job, so we're going to keep them that way. So the way scoring works is once you damage someone off of full wounds, then you gain a point. If they cost more than you, you gain an additional point. So, you know, if they cost nine and you cost seven, then that's two points. If you kill someone then that's three points. 
if you kill someone that costs more than you, that's four points. So that's kind of the basis for the scoring we're, we're, we're starting up from. And then we've added considerable other, uh, several other ways to score. And I don't think any of them has been particularly powerful. Like, people still, like, tend to mostly focus on killing. But yeah. um, the additional ways to score have not made it so that killing is not a better option. But people have gone and won games because of they've taken advantage of the new ways to score. So we... Well, let, okay, let's, let's continue on with the old ways of scoring with killing. We made a few adjustments, mostly for, like, loopholes. We spent a bit of time, like, trying to close loopholes, so these rules are a little bit more complicated than the regular um, Enforced Brawl and, and uh, All Out Brawl rules. But it's not a case of, like, rules that are very difficult to remember. You read them once, you're like, oh, okay, that's just there to, to stop, you know, the guy who's got reckless from just going reckless and denying anyone getting points off of him. So if someone deals damage to themselves, then that does not count as damage being taken off from full. First time they're damaged from an enemy model is when the points get doled out regardless. So another, I guess, design we wanted to try out is see if we could make this game as playable for as many models as we could. So there's an additional thing to go along with that, but we decided that, hey, conditions... Some models are focused around handing out conditions more so than they are killing, and in the old rules that just didn't do much of anything because you weren't technically killing them or hurting them, the condition was. So we're like, hey, we'll just add that in as an exception. It's like, if you deal condition damage to someone, then you can still score the kill, you can still score the taking them off from full wounds, with the caveat being is that you have to be the first model to apply that condition. I don't think we've found any loopholes for that yet. So if you're the person first person to put burning on a model and that model's first point of damage comes from burning, then you get the point. But if you're the second person to put poison on another on a model and that model takes damage initially from poison, you're not the one who gets the point. That that sort of thing. And then uh, did second edition have like a specification as to how many points you could go into the negative? If you could go into the negative? I think I don't that think was, there was a limit, but you definitely could go into the negative. Okay. Well, I, I think that was just a point of confusion. I don't think you were supposed um, to go into the negatives. I think people just misread it. I'm not sure. I think it was just a case of, hey, you lose three points if you die, but they didn't say if you could go below zero. Yeah. Um, so we, we just clarified that. It's like zero is the lowest you can go. Because I remember playing a game way back when, when we just assumed that, yeah, you did go into a negative. And being on, like, negative nine points just is not fun. It's not fun for anyone. Nah. Like, at that point, you're just not being competitive whatsoever. You're not really having fun. The other thing, before we get into, like, the new, new, new rules, is uh, hiring. Which, see, this is why I have you guys to help me out, because I keep forgetting what the current rules are, because I've been spending so much time on this. You can bring in minions in all Brawl, right? Minions and enforcers currently, I believe. Okay. All right. Well, we're allowing henchmen as well. All non-master models uh, can be hired. And we've been playing with minions and enforcers and henchmen. And that hasn't been a significant swing one way or the other. I think last night was the first time a henchman actually won, if I recall. Yeah, I believe so. So we haven't played a ton of games, so again, this could possibly change depending on what, you know, if people try this out, which I hope they do. I hope they test it out and enjoy it. Again, it just it's with the idea of, like, as many models as possible are viable for the game. And if you want to be, like, that 
guy and bring a mechanical dove, I guess you can. Maybe we could we could come up with some like really dumb variants where you can only bring a model that's like cost three or less. Yeah, only bring totems. <laughs> I was definitely thinking something along that line, like just like yeah, like cheap brawl where everything is like five points or less at best. Would be hilarious. Rats versus mechanical doves. Yep. <laughs> and with the you know the card mechanic, it's not that difficult to still get into a fighty game instead of people just slapping each other with feather dusters and whatnot. Um, you can use the assist action on yourself. I forgot about that one. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, it's there. It's a mechanic of the game, and most of the time you would assume that you can have you would have someone around to do it, but you've got no friendlies, so why, why not? Yeah. Why not? I feel like you should be able to stop, drop, and roll. Yeah, that's fair. So, additionally, no upgrades, because you'll be getting plenty in this frickin' game. <laughs> Although I've noticed look, the more players you have on the field, the less grabbing there is for upgrades. People usually get a couple, but like the fewer players there are, the few, the less rush you feel like you need to like get into the fight and start getting points. But <clears throat> no upgrades. So the main new mechanic, the super fun, crazy nonsense of this game is obviously the upgrades. So, you drop out two onto the map if you have a game of six or more players. Two That's what? It. Loot markers. Uh, actually, no, treasure go. piles. God, I'm... Ah, ah, okay. <laughs> because the loot markers are what happens when you die. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, 50 millimeter, height 5, uh, impassable, blocking, treasure piles on the map. One if it's, like, four or five players and... Two if it's six, seven, or eight. And if you use two, you put them six inches from the center uh, from the center of the board along a diagonal. Uh, along the diagonal center line. And that's it, that looks weird, but the reason being is that you still use the standard deployment zones for coming back onto the board. And if you did it along the standard deployment center line, it's harder to get back into those treasure piles uh, for two of the four deployment zones. Yeah. So, like, it was, mm-hmm. you, were, you were up to the winds of fate if you could actually get back in a reasonable amount of time and affect the game. Whereas, yeah, deciding to put it on the diagonals really helped a lot, I found, yep. in that last yeah. game. Because that way, no matter what suit you flip, you are, you have one of them you can get right to. Yeah, you're, you're within two AP of having an impact on the board. Didn't, did one of the rules have, like, you come back on slow or something? Was that Enforcer or All Out Brawl? It was no. one of them. I forget which it is. It, I think it might have been Enforcer Brawl. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, that's that's not a thing anymore either. Yeah, that's terrible. Okay, moving on. So, if you're within an inch of the treasure pile, then you can take an Interact to draw a card from the deck. Or in our case, you flip from a communal deck... And then you reference this lovely little table I have on Google Sheets, and it'll tell you what your two options are for upgrades. Now, the fun thing is is that you can still take an interact even if you are engaged. However, other things within the game that affect interacts still count. I figure if you're going to like mess with people's ability to pick up loot things, you're going to be a huge target, so why not allow it in the game? Yeah, yep. Go ahead and take everyone off, see how well that works for you. Fingers time. <laughs> Yeah, someone should play fingers. So that's how you get loot initially. 
alongside of that, you can score one point at the end of a round, if you're on the board, of course, for every upgrade you have attached to yourself, every loot you have attached to yourself, if you're no longer within that one-inch bubble of the treasure pile. This obviously being that you can't just stand there and spend 2 AP to pick up objects and not do anything else for the game, because that won't get you points. So you need to actually move out of there and get into the fray or do something else to start scoring points. But, you know, if you have a model that you know allows you to move at the end of the game, then you can sort of cheese it that way if you want. Bishop. No, that, that's... That's just he does that's just his third AP. Yeah, you can do it at the beginning. Or like uh, Cerberus or something. Yeah, or yeah. The, the Undercover Reporter for some reason. Or the Warpeg. I still haven't played him. Ah, oh, man, I should, I should do that. So that's the third way you get points. And the fourth way is another concession for trying to get as many models involved as possible. And that says, for every scheme marker you have within four inches of one of the treasure piles, you also gain a point. And I think Roman's really taken as much advantage of this as possible because he really loves putting down scheme markers. And I, I seem do. to be the only person that tries to take them away from him. Yeah. I've, I've played Colette for too long. Scheme markers are life. But it wasn't a huge advantage for you. It was just one of the ways you were getting points that not a ton of other people were attempting to. So mm-hmm. good on you for figuring that out quickly. But it hasn't okay. seemed like... It hasn't been useless because they aren't immediately picked up, but it hasn't been overpowered because sometimes people will pick them up when they see you're getting a lot of points. Or there's a lot of effects in the game that remove scheme markers, or you need to remove a scheme marker to do a thing. And I wanted to allow those abilities to still happen in this game which would normally be completely useless to put down a scheme market on normal enforcer brawl. So, just to accommodate as many models as possible to be viable in this game. So, really four different ways of scoring. None of them seem too terribly overpowered. That's, I guess that's generally just the overall rules. Did I miss anything big? Uh, uh, the explosion of things. <laughs> okay, the, so the actual most important part of this game. Yes, super, super, super duper fun of when you die. When a character dies, they die like Sonic the Hedgehog, and all of their cool stuff just explodes off their body, and uh, it's placed in base contact with them. And then anyone can just walk over to that uh, marker in base contact and take an interact to pick it up. And so that's a way for you to just take the cool thing that that person got that you really, really want. Or in some cases, like, one of the benefits of a card will mean nothing to a model, but for you, that's like your built-in execute trigger or something like that. So you're just going to run over there and try to murder them, so that you can be more effective at murdering things. So that has come up in a couple games. Not a ton, but um, at least once every game, someone's be like, oh, I actually really want that thing. I'm going to go over and get it. And whether or not the person dies before they get there, usually they die before that happens. There's still a lot of killing in this game. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is one of the reasons that laying down scheme markers has been effective for me, because if you don't have anybody that says, I'm going to pick this up using an ability, if everybody else is focused on killing, they're engaged, and they're not picking up my scheme markers. Yes. Scheme markers still require the, you know, you can't be engaged to remove them. Unlike the loot markers, is what we call them, which you can still pick up regardless of engagement. So... Another thing we, I would say at this point, interesting things we found out with how the rules are regularly worded uh, for M3E 
is the way friendly fireworks, despite the way its uh, its name sounds. <laughs> it doesn't matter if someone is is engaged with a friendly model to you or not. If they are engaged and they are both enemy models, they're still engaged. Yep. Which uh, a couple of players found out sadly and were a bit miffed by, but I don't think it really affected them too much. I mean, one of them was Sue, so I know he lost his positive flip. But that is that's probably the first thing I'm going to look at addressing because if you turn off friendly fire i feel like that makes shooting too powerful yeah yeah because then they just it's like oh i'm gonna hit somebody i don't care my uh, my initial thought is possibly make it like a discard to ignore friendly fire so there's at least some kind of cost to it mm-hmm. i don't i would say don't worry about it because they, they still have the option of focus shoot that's fair well, if we get enough people complaining then it, we'll, we'll come back to it and look at it yeah it's, yeah. Worth, it's worth looking at it does it does favor melee combatants just because everyone sort of starts and all of the fighting is kind of focused around these treasure piles. However, if you're like a blaster, that's still pretty good pretty good time for you. Yeah, I think that's the only thing that like I'm not sure how I could fix is making it a little bit friendlier to shooters without making them overpowered. Because on the other side of things, there's just not a ton of terrain that can affect shooting lanes in this game just because you gotta have the space around the uh, treasure piles be relatively clear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Tell them, send me your suggestions. We'll implement them if they're really good. Yeah, we'll test them out. So, yeah. I've been holding on to this list, keeping it kind of close, because personally I think it's a lot more fun if you don't know what could possibly happen to you. So, yeah, that's that's honestly the, the biggest reason why I'm not like, hey, look at this and see if all these are, are good or if any of them really suck or anything. is because I wanted to be a surprise to people like, oh, I, I didn't realize that I could get, you know, the Pale Rider's gun. Or, oh, I didn't realize that you brought back stilts from second edition. So good. Oh, yeah. And there there's there is a bit of comedy in here. I hope you like my sense of humor because um, it's ready and very apparent. Yes, no, there was there was a lot of fun putting those together. I, I particularly your let's just uh let's say to the listener, your statement of people exploding like Sonic the Hedgehog uh is, is well worded for uh, particular upgrades. <laughs> yeah, well we'll, we'll not say anything more. <laughs> I wanted to go around a couple times and just like, hey, go ahead and point out like one of your favorites, one or two of your favorite cards. We'll, we'll go ahead and tease people with that stuff. But before I get on that, I am considering pursuing publishing an actual deck of this. Obviously, it's weird material, so it'd be free, or at least it would have to be free. I'm, I believe that's how that has to work. But I'm still like trying to make it as nice and pretty as possible. And the first couple I came up with were really, really nice, but it's just going to take some time. And with the current situation, it doesn't really matter if I have a physical deck or not. People shouldn't be gathering in groups of eight yet. So I think I have time to work on it. And obviously, if uh, it becomes a thing that people really, really like, that'll probably inspire me to work on it harder and get that stuff published. Because I would absolutely love this to be like a staple for kind of a beer and pretzels. Yeah, that was the that was the other thing. There's a there's a, a term that I've heard a lot about war games, like the beer and pretzels game. The chill don't have a huge focus on winning at all costs, just having fun with your friends. And the closest thing Malfo really has to that, I think, is the Enforcer Brawl or the All Out Brawl. And I just wanted to like amplify that as much as possible because there's definitely like 
model and card combinations here that are super overpowered. And it's just probably mm-hmm. going to win you the game. But if you come to it with a mindset of, hey, I'm just here for some fun and some ridiculousness like Gracie with a Gatling gun, yeah, you're like, really going to enjoy yourself. Yeah, and, and quite frankly, if there's one player that shows up with something that's extra overpowered, because quite honestly, unless you are the person that brings the, the Malifaux rat or the dove to this fight, everyone brings like, oh, this is a, a silly thing, etc. Everybody brings something like that, and it makes it really fun. But if you're the person to bring the extra, like, OP level of thing, everybody gangs up on you. A writer. Whether or not it works on the table, writer, perfect. Whether or not it works on the table to bring you down, well, you're still going to have a lot of fun with a lot of heckling between the the group. Oh my goodness, there's a lot of heckling. Mostly from me, because I'm a salty, salty bastard. Yeah. Victoria agrees. I can see her trying not to smile over there. A a delicious call. Hey, hey, man, I was just trying to, you know, give you a drink to deal with the salt, and you just kept punching the whiskey bill. <laughs> that was, that was, a, that was a very good couple of rounds for Joss there. It was. It was kind of, it was scary. Terrifying. And, uh, After like, last night, I, I definitely have more of a, I, I am more likely to bring Joss out of keyword now on certain things, and I'm also more likely, when playing Neverborn, to, to, make good use of Hinamatsu. Oh, goodness, Hinamatsu. Oh, God, Hinamatsu. I mean, six potential attacks is fine. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's good. A couple of suggestions, though, when you're playing this. Um, make sure someone or a couple people bring anti-armor, because the classic two-armor model is a lot tougher to bring down when it's just you and a couple yep. other people you can not necessarily rely upon. But, of course, yep. there's a bit of AP you could possibly pull from the deck as well. Or just, you know, sheer force of attacks or high and severes. It's not impossible. I think Hinamatsu was the only Armor 2 model that won. That's one. She only won by, like, two points. Yeah. And, like, second place, I think it was tied between me and someone else. And the only reason I got second is I got really lucky killing the Whiskey Golem twice. Yeah. And, and pulling up on Nate. That looked great. Ugh. <laughs> I totally forgot Joss exploded. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that made me big sad. Yeah, there's there's definitely room to bring a small, insignificant model and actually do well, especially with some of the stuff you could draw. As I think the most common thing in there is probably attacks, so you're probably getting a good attack. Most likely, anyways. But oh, That's another thing that we have found has been kind of hilarious and useful, is Demise Explosive. Because not only does it, while you die, potentially, like, it, it hurts people around you. And if they haven't been hurt yet, you're getting points for each of them while you're dying, which will lose you three points. But it also says you drop no markers when you die, which means all of your upgrades that you have burn up. Oh, makes <laughs> makes everyone sad. That was something I did not take into account for, but I'm leaving it in there because it, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of wish there was... Oh, there is a couple ways to take those things off of you before you die, though, but that's that's a rarity. Okay, let's go around a couple times and talk about a card we really, really like. And we can point out how hilarious Doug is, or how creative we all are, something. Oh, this one. This one comes out every game? Every game. Every game we've pulled this card. And this is the Six of Tomes. <clears throat> and this is Willie's box of Big Bang, though. <laughs> 
Speaking of demise explosive. Speaking yeah. of demise explosive. Uh, That's how we learned that word. Option one is ooh pretty, which says that shockwaves, pulses, and blast markers generated by this model also deal distracted plus one. And the second option, which people tend to take a little bit more, is called just carry it around like an idiot, which gives you demise explosive three. Okay, Roman, pick one of that out. I honestly really like, there it is, the drum of mineral oil. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God, no. Ah. Which, which gives you either, I'd rather not touch them, which just gives the model plus one defense. Who doesn't like that? But, hang on a second. Option two is uncomfortably slippy. Slippery. <laughs> uh, which gives you butterfly jump. So many uncomfortable visuals with that. <laughs> yep. All right, Nate. All right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna look at the improvements we've made from uh, the original Gatling gun. Uh, for now, it is the blessed Gatling gun. Uh, the two options being, um, it's a Gatling gun in all caps with an exclamation <laughs> point. Uh, very very important to point out. Uh, so it's your, it's your standard Gatling gun, twelve inch range, stat six, positive flip, two four six damage, and you got crit strike and sweeping strike, so you can do some blasts. I stole that from Fuhatsu. Yeah, for, that's Fuhatsu's stat line. Yeah. But on the other side, we've got the blessing of Dakha. <laughs> which causes the damage generated by your pulses, shockwaves, and blasts to deal plus one damage. Which is pretty dope. Also, a 40k orc reference doesn't never hurts me. Makes me no, feel real happy. It doesn't hurt anyone. I would like to see the situation where someone's actually dealing more damage on the blast markers than the actual initial target. Because you do oh. have a couple stat, line, stat lines where like the severe and the yeah. moderate are the same number. Just more blasts. More blasts. Uh, okay. It's like you're doing so you're doing severe with two blasts and your moderate blast damage is higher. Ugh. Awesome. I'm excited. Like three three damage, four blast damage. Here's one. And this is one where like one of the options is going to be a uh, not often taken, but you can see situations where it will be taken. And that is Wrath's microphone. And the other reason I'm I'm deciding to talk about this one is because it's my Metalocalypse references that I'm so proud of. Uh, option one, face-fisted, uh, you gain flurry. Seems a very Wrath-esque thing to do. Option two, murder train a coming, which gives you the freight train tactical action, which is something you're not going to take too much over flurry, but in case of games where there's a lot of uh, dead constructs lying around, it's actually pretty darn useful, so... So another one of my favorites is the Percolator, which gives you either gratuitous amounts of energy, which is reckless, uh, or running all the time, which is twitchy. So if you like Bayou things, you like the Percolator. Presumably they're percolating coffee, but it's the Bayou. Who can tell? (laughs) Delicious swamp water coffee. Mm. Extra grit. (laughs) Yep. You know it's extra gritty whenever they use the fresh roasted slurred eyes. Mm-hmm. Okay, Nate. Yeah, so we'll stay in the Bayou theme, uh, and we're looking at the Big Brain Brine. It just sounds like a delicious, delicious concoction. Um, so if you ever wanted your model to be Big Brain Brin, but not Big Brain Brin, uh, this is the drink for you, because you can either pick Fortitude, Fortitude of Mind, which will get you plus one low power, or you can have 3000 IQ. Which will give you the knew you were going to do that ability, which is Bryn's thing where you can pitch a card to shut off people's triggers. Okay. Um, maybe one more time through. That's only nine. That's not all the cards, nearly. So uh, something to sell the folks on. 
some of these are like relatively mundane, but still just a lot of fun. Like the shooting gun and the shoot and the stabbing knife. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like the mind. I like the ten gallon hat. <laughs> oh, which one's that? What? Gives you fan the hammer or swagger with big iron on its hip. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, that's a good one. I I honestly just really like the fact that you made it to where every one of them has an option. I think if I had to pick one thing that is my favorite thing, not about the brawl specifically, but about the upgrades, it's the fact that yeah, it's a fifty-four card deck, but you really have a hundred and eight different things you could get whenever you pull off that treasure pile. Yeah, options are good. Okay. Yeah. And then those options still exist because if you die, that that choice can come back up. It's nice. You know. Okay. Let's. This is this is Victoria's. I think it was Victoria's contribution or Eli. I'm trying to remember. The one of Tom's the Steam Fitters Toolkit. Effect one. Finely tuned measurements. And I like how these have some some narrative taste to a lot of the effect names. Pat myself on the back there. Finely tuned measurements gives you the analyze weakness attack action which can be really, really stinking useful if everyone's bringing armor. But, you know, if you're not going to use the finely tuned instruments for finely tuned measurements, you can just throw them on the ground using the yeet effect, which gives you the discarded tool tactical action. And that's one fun way to get uh, schemes on the board, even while you're uh, engaged. Yeet. Yeet. Indeed. Do we want to mention the Jokers? I feel like we should mention the Jokers. Ah, okay. Mm, I don't think so. We'll, we'll mention one. We'll mention one of the Jokers. We'll mention the Black Joker. How about that? Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Actually, no, no, no. This is the, this is what we do. We mention them, and we mention that they are references to several favorite Malifaux podcasts, and then other people have to go read them. Yes. All right, Roman. What's your third one? I know oh, you just man. Yeah, I know you just gave away ten gallon hat, but that's a freebie. Yeah. Yeah. I think after that, uh, of the ones that I don't want to give away. My next favorite is probably, yeah, I, I gotta go with the Ancient Scrolls, just because I enjoy the layered movie references on these. <laughs> uh, it either gives you Klaatu Verrata, which gives you ancient words, does what it says on the can, or the Babe with the Power, which builds in a surge trigger on all of your attack actions. Hell yes. Nate. We haven't seen that one come up actually yet. No, we haven't. You know, I'm I'm just going to talk about stilts again, <laughs> as was previously mentioned. Just because, all right. So we know abandoned stilts as an ability is the first one where you you can discard it to receive no damage. Um, but I really like the second one, which is just called Absolute Unit. That gives you plus one size. <laughs> Beautiful and simplicity. It's an absolute unit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oof. All right, I think that's that's pretty good. I think that's pretty good. I think people got a good idea of the, the what they're going to be seeing. Um, this is what you're in for, folks. This is what you're in for some some funsies. So, if you plan on like playing this, I would recommend that you don't look at the cards ahead of time because I think it's a lot more fun off the cuff when you're surprised by it. But you know, if you can't help yourself, go ahead and look through them. Let me know if there's anything that's glaringly bad. Uh, the other, the other concern I have is like I wanted, if at all possible, for every model in the game, I mean, outside of Masters, to have an option for every card that they could take. So if you find a situation where a model has both the abilities on their card, uh, let me know so I can get that adjusted. Because don't want anyone to be in a situation where they don't get something cool. All right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
So we'll go ahead and put this in the show, the, these links in the show notes, both to the rules and to the Bonanza Brawl deck. I'll go ahead and, well, no, I can't share that. That's still in beta, but that will be coming out soon. And when it does, I'll, I'll like make an announcement on a weird place or whatnot, reminding people where this stuff is. Um, the only caveat right now is that you can only do seven players because you will need a free deck available to flip your upgrade cards. Although I guess technically you could just, no, you can't do that because you can flip duplicates. I, I guess there's nothing technically I mean, wrong with that. I mean, uh, other than that, I guess if you have, you know, someone you trust to run a physical deck and have, have a, and you have the good fortune to have eight players, you can do it that way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, why, why not? If you're not, like, trusting these people and this is not the kind right. of thing. Like, if you're, if you're in a group of eight people and not trust, I don't know what you're doing, but okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and and quite frankly, like I really hope that this as our it can be a good contribution by ours to give people a good way to vicariously or via internetly hang out in this COVID time because it was it's it's wicked fun. Uh, it's an easy way to just hang out with a few of your friends. Even and, and I want to stress this because I know that playing on Vassal is a pain. Like it, it takes a while to get down. It adds another at least one, probably more like two or three layers of mechanics you have to deal with, in addition to what is not a simple game for an actual game of Malifaux. But when you're only running one model, and you're running around just having a grand old time beheading people and picking up loot, it is fun. It is probably the form of playing Malifaux that I think loses the least playing it on Vassal. And again, if you get on Discord or whatever your preferred audio and or video chat conferencing software is, crack open a beer or your beverage of choice or not, whatever you're comfortable with, and just hang out. It's fantastic. Yep. Eloquently spoken, Robin. I know there's I a try. reason I kept you on for episodes. He does that <laughs> sometimes. Besides the fact that I keep mistaking you for Brian. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> well, that's us selling Bonanza Brawl. Um, hope you all enjoy this, or if you hate it for some reason, we can't be friends. Anything else, Give guys? Hate. Any other little tidbits of information? You, you want to have a nice little speech there, Nate? Play the game. It's fun. Awesome. See, you bring me on for the, the wordy eloquence, and you bring him on for the uh, the less wordy... Friendly diversity hire. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> he brings me on because sometimes I'm funny. <laughs> he comes free with Roman. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, deal. That's enough insulting night. Everyone have a good night. I hope you have fun with this. And Cheers, please. Oh yeah, as I always say, fun is always king. Especially now. In this case. Yeah. That makes this game king. Yes! Thank you. Alright. Bye-bye. 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 Songs used in this production are Villainous Treachery and Five Card Shuffle. All music is created by Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.